Hey guys, and welcome to the Little Law Podcast. My name's Aydin, and I'm the founder of Little Law. We've all heard words like AI and law tech being used in the legal industry, and maybe we've even used these terms in our applications. But have you ever wondered what artificial intelligence actually is, and how it works to help lawyers in reality? In this episode of the Little Law Podcast, we're back in London to speak to Frederica Kitchen of Luminance. Luminance is an artificial intelligence platform for the legal profession, and software like this is being used at loads of the top firms. So throughout this chat with Frederica, I'm trying to get an understanding of what artificial intelligence is and learn about how it makes an actual difference to the role of a modern lawyer. Anyway, let's kick off this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this episode of the Little Law Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Frederica Kitchen, who's a senior legal product expert at Luminance. Frederica, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hi. Um, just to jump into things and to give people a bit of an understanding if they haven't heard of Luminance before, could you tell us a bit about what Luminance is and what your role is here? Absolutely. So at a very high level, uh, Luminance is the artificial intelligence platform for the legal profession. Um, And essentially what that does is it's enabling lawyers in the current age to conduct their job more efficiently. Um, My role here is I'm an account manager, so I'm helping our many customers um, to roll out and adopt the platform successfully within their firms and organisations. Perfect. So you mentioned that Luminance is an artificial intelligence-based software. Mm. And I've read about Luminance's technology called Light, which stands for the Legal Interface Transformation Engine. Yes, that right? correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> a bit of a mouthful. So, um, so when I read about it, it said that it's able to read and understand how lawyers interact with the documents that they work with. Mm. So for someone who's not got a tech understanding, how, how could you explain how the software understands how the lawyers deal with the, um, the documents that they work with? Yeah. Absolutely. I think what I'll do is I'll actually break down exactly how the technology works um, in in a more technical way, because it's important for people to understand exactly how that process works. So what light, as you quite rightly described earlier, what light is, is the engine that drives luminance and the engine that helps it sort of read language like a human lawyer. And what is powering that is a unique combination of machine learning and pattern recognition. So this was all developed by mathematicians and computer vision experts at Cambridge University. And what that really means is, firstly, the pattern recognition algorithms. They're able to read human language in contracts or in documents in the way that a human would, i.e. it's understanding the patterns that make up a clause or a contract as a whole in the way that a human lawyer would read that. Now, we combine that then with machine learning. So that is a combination of unsupervised and supervised machine learning. Now, the unsupervised element is where light, it finds these patterns by itself. So it's finding similarities in documents and it's also finding differences in that language as well. So perhaps something anomalous. Now, that's the first step. Then you asked me, how does it interact with the human? And that's the second element of the machine learning. So that's the supervised element. 
And there should always be a supervised element when working with lawyers because they're the ones in control and they're the ones who know exactly what they're doing with their contracts. So that supervised element is where they come in, they start interacting with their documents just as they would without the power of technology. So they're reading their contracts, they're highlighting important aspects, but the difference when combining that process with technology is that actually it's learning what those important things are and it's actually flagging similar important things to the lawyer and perhaps areas that the lawyer wasn't expecting to find that could be a risk, for example. Sure. So that's light in a nutshell. So if I've understood it correctly, there's the unsupervised part, which is the software looking over the contracts and the documents on its own, mm-hmm. so to speak, and then the supervised part when the lawyer will be sort of teaching the software or the software will be learning what the lawyer is looking for and then from then trying to spot other similar things. Exactly. So over time, would the software become um, more knowledgeable in terms of what the lawyer wants and therefore reducing the amount of supervised work that they would have to do? So it's exactly that. So basically, Luminance will never take a backward step. It's machine learning because it's learning constantly and it's retaining that learning and applying it to every piece of work that that lawyer or reviewer is conducting in future. Um, So it's just becoming smarter and smarter. That's great. And in terms of moving away from the technological side and focusing more on the practical benefits, Mm -hmm. could you give an example of how Luminance is being used to reduce the workload of lawyers? Yeah, absolutely. So it's quite a broad question. Um, and it is a very flexible tool. So we've seen its application in lots of different legal arenas and actually beyond just legal as well. So just to touch on that, we've seen um, initially we saw lots of M&A lawyers using Luminance in the due diligence process because this is an area where there are vast volumes of documentation and lawyers essentially need a lever to pull to help them with that. So that was the first application that we saw and um, we're seeing benefits every day um, all around the world in that field, but also um, in the discovery sphere. So in your litigation, arbitration and disputes uh, investigations, we're seeing luminance provide value in that arena and also now in-house legal teams are using the platform to help with their contract negotiations, contract drafting, uh, template creation, for example. Um, so, so it's quite um, a wide application of the software yeah. that we're seeing to reduce workloads. Um, and actually beyond law, as I just mentioned, we're seeing uh, other areas such as uh, insurers making use of this platform as well, uh, real estate companies. So, so it's very... Um, very flexible tool and that's reflected in our customer base as well and it seems to be growing in in the cases um, where it can be used as well absolutely people are discovering more more and more good uses exactly lawyers are becoming imaginative yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is great to see becoming creative goodness me (laughs) so moving away from luminance specifically and just considering Mm. more about the legal industry sure and how legal tech fits into that with technology like luminance coming in some people sometimes worry, rightly or wrongly, that their value might be under threat. For example, to put it simply, if the technology is there that can do the role more quickly and more efficiently and more accurately than I could, um, why would a law firm employ me? Yeah, and I think that question is at the very core of 
particularly our, our technology as a company, but I know you wanted to be a bit more um, a bit more generic uh, in the answer to that. But why should firms still employ lawyers? Well, because lawyers should be working with machines to produce quality legal work. It shouldn't be human versus machine. It should be, you know, a synergy of the two because lawyers in particular work for so many years. I mean, you yourself, you know, you're, you're at the sort of very start of your career as a lawyer um, and you've trained for so long to become an expert. And quite frankly, a technology cannot replace that legal thinking, that legal analysis and that value that's taken you so many years to build up, you know, understanding context um, of each client matter. So that's why firms should still employ lawyers as they always have. That's your most valuable resource. How do we make that resource even more valuable? Well, you combine that with technology. It's not a playoff against the two. Sure. And I think I read um, a quote from Emily Foges, who's a CEO of Luminance, where she said that Luminance can actually help to take the robot out of the lawyer. And I think what you've explained there is really um, illustrating how that would work. Yeah. There's more room for the legal analysis and the human skills because you're spending less time doing the rote tasks. Exactly. And to be honest, you know, I've been a trainee lawyer myself in the past and, you know, you you leave your studies so excited to yeah. begin your career. You know, all of these um, amazing uh, advice, all this amazing advice you're going to be giving to clients, you know, at the forefront, working with the clients day to day, which, you know, that does happen. But really a lot of what you're doing to start with is sifting through contracts organizing data rooms a lot of essentially administrative work which you know days gone by that's been exactly the role of that junior lawyer um but there's just no place for that anymore it's it's almost an insult that junior lawyers have such bright talented brains and that's kind of their job when they get to the office um so yeah, I think I think you've sort of touched upon this next question with, with the answer you just gave. But um, I wanted to ask a bit about whether you think by um, reducing the amount of time that junior lawyers will inevitably have to spend doing these rote tasks, doing organizing things, doing document review and things like that, would they miss out on a crucial part of their legal training? Because mm. you do have some instances. I have mixed views about this myself, but I have had conversations with people who were. Um, partners at law firms Mm. and sometimes one of the things that made them reluctant about embracing technology they thought that what they had to go through sifting through loads of documents or organizing the the things that you said it might be a bit more administrative and less um intellectually stimulating they they thought that there was a bit of value in terms of the training that they received um Mm. there and the skills that they developed would you agree with that or or do you think that yeah. There is nothing that you'd miss out, really, as a trainee. So a couple of points there. One thing, um, which I'll, I'll go into more detail on in a second, is the fact that actually by using technology during legal training as well, you know, that's, that's extremely valuable. Um, and juniors are going to be very well equipped, if not more well equipped, in their training by going through that process. But, you know... Uh, my comments to those kinds of partners would be if that was their rite of passage and that should be everyone else's rite of passage going forward you know then we're stuck then we never change at all Um, which although that's perhaps less scary is well 
it's not a great attitude to have, especially living in the 21st century. The world is changing around us. We can't resist it. We need to embrace it. So in terms of junior lawyers having the best training that they can have, I think by using technology, they still perform that role to an extent. You know, especially, I mean, our technology very much relies on the input of the lawyer it's not um, sort of working on its own. So those juniors are still going to be the ones sort of organising documents, looking through documents, but actually they're doing that more quickly. They're doing that more efficiently. The partners don't have to write off all that time that has been spent on those administrative tasks. And hopefully those junior lawyers are a bit happier in their day-to-day life as well um, and still learning those key skills but perhaps in a more exciting way. Sure. So to give you my perspective on it, I also think that um, a lot of the things that junior lawyers are doing, or for example, I had a role doing document review Mm. for a long time, um, just working on one project and it spanned many, many months. And it does get very dull. And by the end of it, you you do come to the realisation that your legal skills or your... um, desire to be intellectually stimulated is just not being um, catered to at all. Mm. And it is something that when you're doing at the time, while I don't have a technological background and don't have a computer science background, you can understand how this, this sort of role could be automated. And um, personally, I think that you would get a lot more value in terms of training from working on analysing the documents or, or looking at them once um, relevant documents have been identified and things like that. So my experience is... is is similar to what you're saying in terms of lawyers can benefit more from doing the other tasks than spending it doing exactly the the more rote dull tasks yeah. and i think documents. as well you know the focus law firms are businesses at the end of the day so their focus is to be profitable right yeah and you know if if junior lawyers aren't being catered to in the way you described then they're going to lose that talent Equally, if those bright minds aren't being sort of nurtured at the very beginning to do those more stimulating tasks, um, then arguably the the law firm's almost losing out on profit in that way. The sooner that they can train those legal minds, those junior legal minds to conduct that exciting high value work, the more of that work that they can take on um, and the more developed those skills are going to be much earlier on in the career, which in turn is more profitable. Right. So... You mentioned about how this will help on profitability and it's quite easy to see that if it improves the efficiency and the number of hours that it will take for the lawyers mm. doing, a, doing a certain project, implementing technology makes a lot of sense just because at the end of the day it's a business and if it's saving hours and helping you do things more efficiently, it will make, make it more profitable. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that um, the legal industry seems to be quite slow compared to um, other industries, maybe the financial sector, to adopt technology and technological solutions? Yeah, I think there's a number of reasons. Sure. Um, I think the first one is, that really strikes me, is perhaps stubbornness. Okay. Um, Now that's, you know, perhaps not fair to all law firms, but I've certainly spoken to a lot of lawyers since I've been working at Luminance and perhaps stubbornness is unfair but maybe a reluctance because people are scared to change um so that's on a very simple level you know just scared of change which is a very natural human instinct um 
But then after that, I think there's a number of, number of factors at play um, in the industry, such as the billable hour, is it's just crucifying the ability yeah. to innovate because the billable hour, well, in, in, in the legal world, you know, it's an industry that has historically awarded inefficiency because if firms are billing out by the hour, um, then, then they're going to be encouraging lawyers to spend more time on that work and therefore get more money from the client. So I think just the very way that fees are structured traditionally in law firms is the very reason that they haven't been innovating. Right. So you mentioned that um, law firms have this stubbornness and this um, inherent fear of technology. Mm. Do you think that that it's still a valid position to hold to consider te- using using technology as a risk? No. no. <laughs> um, I think... I mean, I guess it depends what, what kind of risk and what risk means to different people. Um, is it a risk in terms of is my um, is my day-to-day work and the structure of the firm going to change? Then perhaps, yes, perhaps it is a risk in that way. Um, but actually, in terms of risk to legal work and the risk of quality um, not being met compared to manual legal work, then I completely disagree. In fact, I think it's the complete opposite. It's not a risk at all. It's a massive opportunity for law firms um, in terms of their profitability, uh, in terms of, you know, um, their clients, the quality of work that they're doing can really be enhanced by using legal technology. And not only the quality of the work itself, you know, for example, um, we often see firms finding uh, legal risks that would have taken them either a lot longer to find manually or have been completely missed in a manual review um, in light of sort of sampling exercises that firms are now doing more to meet the needs of the client. Um, so those, those risks are actually completely turned on their head by using artificial intelligence technology, for example. You know, it's, it's enhancing, it's supercharging that lawyer's legal work. Um, so it's not, not a risk in that way at all. So as you said, sometimes by implementing technology like Luminous, your clients have been able to find issues that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to spot. Yeah. So it's improving the accuracy of their work potentially. I wouldn't, because accuracy is a funny word. No, we don't like accuracy at Luminance um, because putting a number on a lawyer's legal work is it's, it's arbitrary. Right. Um, what we instead focus on here is, is a lawyer working faster? And are they actually working with more confidence in the results of the legal analysis they're giving back to the client rather than, you know, do they have a better accuracy score sure. working with a technology than working without it? Um, because, yeah, we think confidence in legal work um, and the quality of legal work is far more important than putting a number on it. And the clients of Luminance or the people incorporating Luminance into their work, have they um, given you, in terms of feedback, an improved Um, feeling of confidence when they're conducting their work? Absolutely, and that sort of speaks to some of the examples um, I gave you earlier with the fact that they're finding things um, that are sometimes deal killers, but 
yes, perhaps they would have found that manually, but it would have taken them a lot longer to find that. Or perhaps it could have been missed altogether. Um, but they're finding it much earlier on in the process, meaning that clients are in a much better position to negotiate far sooner, avoiding you know hazardous and expensive processes um, from the very get-go. Sure. Moving on to the area of health and well-being. Mm. So I've read about how luminance can cut down, or you've explained about how luminance can cut down some of the um, repetitive tasks that lawyers, especially junior, junior lawyers, um, are spending their time mm. doing. Do you think there's an argument to say that incorporating technology can help combat burnout and stress in the legal field and allow lawyers to have a more balanced approach to the work that they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think burnout is a particular issue with junior lawyers um, who are the ones who typically, as you described, you've done it yourself. You know, these really long, repetitive work. I mean, I've got so many friends who are still lawyers and, you know, I don't see them for dinner because they cancel, because they have to sift through documents until, you know, two in the morning. And that does create burnout. And I've seen it firsthand. um, And it's horrible. And, you know, we shouldn't have to work in this way. So I definitely think that using technology to make work more efficient, uh, make work more enjoyable, saving time uh, while doing that work is will have a direct correlation with the mental well-being of um, young lawyers. I think something something we hear a lot as, you know, we're millennials um, and there's a, a horrible misconception from older generations that millennials are lazy. Um, but I would completely disagree with that. I'd say, particularly in the context um, of the legal world, you know, we, we, we're not lazy, but we're more demanding for efficiency. We've grown up um, with measures that can make our lives more efficient. You know, our iPhones, our uh, all sorts, online banking, you know, all of this stuff that makes our day-to-day life easier. And that's been in our personal lives, but we're taking that into the workplace. And it's not laziness. It's not not wanting to be there till two in the morning. It's, well, if we don't have to be there till two in the morning, then why would we? Right. And I think that that is an important point that you raise, the demand for efficiency, because it's something that you see in all other aspects of your life in terms of if you want to get from place A to B, you'll use Google Maps, it will tell you the quickest exactly. way. And you, if you're going to work and you're thinking, why aren't these solutions being implemented for these problems at work? Yeah. You start to question it a bit. Exactly. And there's a real disconnect there. Um, and when there's a disconnect, you know, something's going to fail yeah. um, at some point. You know, we go into different careers. I mean, I've already done that. And I was like, you know, six months into my training contract yeah. and I already decided it was too much for me. Um, you know, that's not to say <laughs> nobody should go into a training contract. <laughs> of course they should, but we should be going in with the attitude that, you know, we can change the way this is working. And we really can yeah. do that. So in recent years, we've seen a lot of increase in terms of alternative business structures and um, for example the big four getting into doing legal services and even some established law firms I read quite recently that Reed Smith were awarded their alternative business structure license because they want to do some other things in consulting and things like that with technology like luminance or other legal tech solutions enable smaller players to um, or maybe non-law firms to compete with law firms by implementing it and therefore offer um, pose a threat to law firms or does it offer an opportunity to law firms if they jump on board and start implementing the technology? Yeah. I think 
sort of the very uh, foundation of all of those suggestions is the fact that the industry is more competitive than ever. So, as you said, the big four accountancy firms now have, you know, complete separate legal businesses as well. I mean, they all use luminance um, also. And actually, they've been extremely quick to adopt and implement the technology on their live transactions. Um, And yes, that, that does make it a very competitive environment. And law firms, in order to keep up with that, well, they need to be adopting in the same way. Of course, all these demands all stemming from clients. Clients are more fickle. You know, they're willing to shop around now. Um, they're demanding lower costs. They're demanding billing transparency from their firms. Um, and actually, you know, they're willing to, to go to smaller firms if they're going to give that quality result for a better price. Um, and I have seen firsthand smaller firms, you know, bidding for work that they might not have otherwise without the technology Um, you know there's one firm I'm thinking of in particular won't name them but they just have 40 lawyers and they use this on every transaction and they are really competing with the other big firms or big four even um, in their area so it's certainly leveling the playing field Um, yeah I think we we all have to sort of sing to the song of the client and the client's in charge, they're in the driving seat, and law firms need to be aware and react to that. In terms of levelling the playing field, it's allowing smaller, as you said, this 40-person law firm that's being run well and being run efficiently using the technology, it's allowing them to compete with the bigger established players. Yeah. So should law firms consider this um, a threat to, to them and, and the work that they'll be able to get in a given year? Um, I think... It's only a threat if they don't react to it. Sure. Um, So instead of seeing it as a threat, they need to see it as an opportunity and react to that quickly enough so that they don't start falling behind. You know, your traditional private practice, um, sort of big commercial law firm are very used to being at the forefront of the industry. Um, And so I suppose changes to the industry in general have threatened that um, and equally technology could be could be a threat if it's not reacted to. So I think the firms, what they need to do there is actually see it as an opportunity to not only win new business, but actually to retain existing business and offer services in more imaginative ways to their clients yeah. and quality services that perhaps they haven't traditionally done in the past, but they really need to do now right. to stop it being a threat. So that makes sense, that law firms that are adopting the technology can keep up with the, um, the smaller alternative business structures and are able to also offer the efficient work to the, to the clients. Mm. One trend that's become clear or that I've read about is how US firms are a bit behind the curve than UK firms mm. in, when it comes to adopting technology um, in the law firms. Why do you think this is? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> it's something that we chat about often at Luminance and Emily, our CEO, has sort of come up with quite a a bulletproof theory on that Um, and I I have to say actually this year and sort of end of last year that the tides have changed a little bit and I wouldn't say that US firms are really really lagging anymore but traditionally it's because the US really stuck by the billable hour for a very long time which is something we just discussed um, a moment ago but of course the billable hour it awards inefficiency and when you're stuck in that billing framework 
then that's, I mean, why on earth would you innovate to change that? Yeah, so, so firms using that structure, particularly in the US, it makes them highly profitable and they actually don't have much motivation to move away from that method. But there's definitely been a shift. Um, I think firms are starting to realise it's, as we keep saying, an opportunity for profitability, not a threat. They can take on more work and the work that they're doing is more high value, you know, not just sifting through papers. Um, and actually, we ourselves have offices in New York and Chicago. Uh, we're always in the USA working with our firms there. Our, most of our team are out at Legal Week um, yeah. this week. So I would say actually there's a real sort of appetite for change now. They're moving away from, the, from sticking by the billable hour and they're opening their eyes to the new ideas of innovative exactly um, practices and i think the key is that i mean the billable hour itself is obviously awarding inefficiency but um on top of that the billable hour sort of values work in the time spent on it sure rather than so it's focusing on input rather than output so um, a valuable piece of work is work that our whole team have spent you know dozens of hours working on actually no i think the shift um, that comes with changing that mindset is that actually um, fees should award quality of work, not the time spent on it. Uh, and I think technology is really leveraging that. So I was going to come on to this later, but as we're delving into the billable hour now, Luminance have a really good blog post on the Luminance blog about the billable hour. Mm. If you haven't had a chance to check out the Luminance blog, uh, I suggest all the listeners should check that out. They've got some really interesting topics on there. And a few points that um, I read on there was about how billable hour, as you said, it, it awards, rewards inefficiency and it looks at how long it takes to te- complete a job, which might not incentivize you to complete it quicker. And one thing that it mentions a lot, which I'd like to ask you about, is it talks about replacing the billable hour with a value-based or outcome-based pricing. So could you give a bit of an explanation as to what that means? Yeah, exactly. So I think what we're seeing a lot more is firms agreeing to take on a piece of work for the client and not quoting, you know, at the very start, well, we estimate this is going to take this many hours to do, um, which actually, by the way, inevitably is never a correct quote because more hours are always spent and more costs are always added. (laughs) So that's just a broken structure anyway. Um, But what they can do is offer sort of a fixed fee for a piece of work um, and actually when delivering that piece of work it's not a focus on you know how long has everyone spent reviewing on this but rather what have we uncovered here and what kind of quality of work are we delivering you know have have we delivered um have we delivered a result that gives that client more confidence? Are we empowering them to have a more thorough negotiation procedure earlier on? And it's those kinds of factors that should be always be the focus. I mean, lawyers are the trusted advisor of their client. Clients are spending a lot of money on their law firms and they're spending a lot of money because they want to trust that the work that's going to be produced as a result of that is high quality and... Um, uh, valuable for their own for the client's own business um, 
so so that's how lawyers should be valuing their work they should be valuing it on the basis that their client is valuing it yeah. the client doesn't care how long you've spent or they do if you slap a big billable hour <laughs> bill on their desk um, but they care that their business is protected that they're in a good position to negotiate um, that their back is covered by their trusted advisor and they need to trust their lawyers and um, yeah that all feeds into the fact that the billable hour is preventing that from happening sometimes and is this something that's more theoretically a better place that we need to go in terms of ideology or is this something that firms are actually implementing now firms are implementing it absolutely Um, and I think as well Firms are really starting to understand the return on investment that AI and legal tech um, can offer them because, um, as I said earlier, it's allowing them to develop a better relationship with their client, collaborate more with that client and get repeat business from that client. So they're creating better partnerships there, which is inevitably better for their own businesses. It's opening the door to do projects that they might not have done otherwise. For example, we're seeing firms not just conduct your typical document review using luminance, but actually being really creative and conducting repapering exercises for their clients, you know, sort of in light of um, regulatory changes like GDPR, Brexit, for example, taking on that kind of work for the client that they might not have otherwise. What, what does repapering mean? So repapering is the process where regulatory change uh, is implemented. So, for example, you know, Brexit yeah. has happened. Goodness me, <laughs> finally. <laughs> Never thought the day would come. Um, but Brexit has happened. GDPR came in. And this meant that firms had, you know, swathes of documentation to redraft, redraft clauses in light of that change, uh, which is a huge manual process um and actually we've seen luminance being harnessed in that environment as well so it's able to help in terms of redrafting all the things that were now out of date or needed to be updated exactly that's great so another another use case for luminance as well just to bring it back to lawyers or trainees going um who are excited about technology and how it will impact them personally i think it's very exciting um I'm very excited by the by the development of technology and AI, and as you said before, it's something that younger lawyers coming in would clearly demand. But one thing that gets spoken about is the lawyers' understanding of the technology under the bonnet sort of thing, and mm. whether they need to code or learn any sort of technical skills or computer science skills to be able to keep up with these changes. Do you think that's something that, um, do I need to learn to code to be able to use legal tech? It's basically what I'm getting at. In short, no. Okay. Um, my, my other argument would be it depends. But <laughs> let's start with the fact that I was completely in the same mindset before I started working at Luminance. You know, I was really passionate about legal tech and legal change, but it did worry me. All these headlines saying, you know, it's a threat to junior lawyers, the robot lawyers are coming. Yeah. Um, and then I turned up at Luminance and, you know, I saw this platform and I was like, oh, oh, so, so the lawyers are still actually pressing every button and the lawyers are still actually in control. Oh, okay, fine. So that's all a myth. Um, but I, as I was saying, I think it depends on, on which angle you're coming from. So there are technologies out there um, and we, we call them legacy technologies um, that have traditionally required a lot of training, a lot of training, a lot of... Um, adapting until they can become useful 
in real legal work and you know this can this is a costly this is a costly process and it's a very time consuming and repetitive process having to train something to look for something that you don't maybe even know yet yeah. that you're looking for um so so that's kind of the approach that that we've seen really until quite recently in the legal industry and in that scenario I mean, that's what breeds this um, uncertainty with lawyers because they're thinking, oh my goodness, you know, we're going to have to learn to code, we're going to have to learn to train a system, train a computer, train a machine. Um, and, and that has been something that's been rife in the industry. But actually, when Luminance was developed, we wanted to come from a very different angle to that because, you know, lawyers aren't, you know, if they wanted to be coders, they'd have gone to yeah. uni and done computer science. You know, they want to be lawyers. They want to be um, critically thinking and applying their analysis to client um, business issues. And so that's the angle we've come from. And actually, our technology does exactly that. As I said, you know, the lawyers are really in control of what they're doing. The machine cannot work autonomously really it, it requires on the lawyer interacting and reading their documents but provided they do that then it's actually going to learn from that and they're going to work in tandem so when using when using luminance there's no need to code anything and it's quite a simple interface absolutely not literally all you have is uh you have your login you log in yeah. you see your contracts you start um working with your contracts as you would manually just as you're, you've been trained to do, um, but actually it's taking that real heavy lifting out of that process. That's reassuring to hear. Don't <laughs> you to don't need to, to code. code. <laughs> Everyone stop your coding classes. It's <laughs> wasted. All right, so um, I just want to thank Federico again for speaking to me about Luminance and giving me an insight into how it can impact the world of lawyers and trainee lawyers especially and how it will actually challenge the wider legal industry as well uh, one thing that we i definitely want to flag up to all the listeners is to check out the luminance blog they have some really interesting blog entries there so a few that i read recently was one about the billable hour that we've discussed already uh, another one about whether lawyers should trust ai and another recent one they did that was really interesting was whether we're headed into a winter of investment into ai technology and whether interest in ai has cooled off and in fact, they argue that it hasn't. It's actually still, still going strong. So again, I want to thank Federica and thank the whole Luminance team for, for inviting us in and really um, thank them for giving an insight into, into Luminance. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. That brings us to the end of this episode with Luminance. I want to say again a massive thank you to Federica and the Luminance team who took the time to speak with us. As I mentioned, you can check out their blog as well for loads of really interesting posts. In fact, they just did one which is a really great read. The post focuses on the contractual issues that stem from coronavirus and how artificial intelligence can help resolve these. So it's really topical at the moment. As always, we want to hear from our listeners to get your thoughts on the podcast. So get in touch with us through Instagram, LinkedIn or Facebook. Also, if you've not signed up to our mailing list yet, head over to our website, littlelaw.co.uk to get on that. We send fun weekly commercial awareness newsletters so you're always kept up to date. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Little Law Podcast.